Welcome to the Fromer Travel Show. It's Memorial Day weekend as I'm recording this, the unofficial start to summer. And that means the unofficial start for many people uh, of the travel season. This is the season with the exception of Christmas and New Year's and Thanksgiving, of course, when the vast majority of travelers hit the road or for some folks hit the high seas. And it's an odd time for cruising. They're having difficulties coming back. We've been hearing that uh, because of supply chain issues, a lot of cruise lines have had to close some specialty restaurants, change their menus. Um, We've heard because of, sadly, the war in Ukraine, that a lot of river cruises have had to rejigger their itineraries. There's even been fuel surcharges coming in uh, on a little line called Celestial. Whether or not this will hit the rest of the cruise industry, well, um, that's that's to be seen. If my voice sounds a little odd, I should say that I have COVID right now, <laughs> like the rest of the world. Although I'm I'm feeling better today. So that's why, for those of you who get this podcast every Sunday morning, that's why this one's a little late today. But before I had COVID, I had the pleasure of getting a tour of the new Viking expedition ship. It's known as the Octantis. It was in New York Harbor. And so I went aboard and I got to tour it. I even got to meet the founder a Viking, who's a jolly fellow, very nice, uh, and learn more about that boat. Now, for those of you who don't know about expedition cruising, this is a type of cruising that started in the 1960s. Um, It was a way for really adventurous travelers to get to the parts of the world that you could only get to by ship but that no tourist-oriented ships were going to before the 1960s. I'm talking about the Arctic, the Antarctic, the Galapagos Islands, and other remote areas. These types of ships had a couple of hallmarks, and I should say that I I write a full article about this and about my visit to the Octantis on Fromers.com. So if you want to see photos of what I'm discussing, you definitely should go there. So these ships were always, always super expensive. And, and, and that made sense because they had to carry every single scrap of food that the passengers would be eating. When you're going to the Arctic and the Antarctic, there's not going to be much fresh produce there. Uh, and they, they often had to have steel hulls and other types of ice-breaking Uh, apparatus uh, to get them into some of these areas. But thanks to climate change partially, which has de-iced some of the oceans in these formerly remote places, it's getting easier to get to those places. So we're seeing a lot of luxury cruise lines getting in on the game. And I should also say one of the other major hallmarks of expedition cruising from the very beginning was that these ships would have a scientific focus. They would have scientists aboard to give enrichment programs for the people who were on the ships, but also so that these scientists could perform research in areas of the world that were very hard to get to. And happily, 
that part of expedition cruising has not changed, especially on the new Viking Octantis, which, as I just said, I just visited. They have three scientists living aboard full-time, which I think may be a new thing for expedition cruising. They have incredible scientific toys aboard this ship, including two yellow submarines. Yes, they are named John and uh, Ringo, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, they have two two expedition cruises cruise ships. So they have four yellow submarines uh, in, in, in totem, and they are all named for the Beatles. Aha, very cute. Um, but, and these, uh, sci- these submarines go out both with paying passengers and with scientists. They have cameras uh, on their hulls, and actually these cameras have already captured some incredibly rare creatures, like uh, a giant jellyfish that they got great photos of it, and this is a creature that, that very few photos of which exist. Um, I think it's called the phantom jellyfish because it's so hard to see. They also have a wet lab, which is a lab which can get very wet because they're bringing in a lot of stuff from the ocean. And they're doing things in that lab like studying uh, climate change issues. In fact, they are uh, now considered weather stations, this, these two boats, and they, they release a weather balloon daily for NOAA. Uh, they also have a lot of microscopes because they're studying microplastics, a huge problem in the oceans. And the, the cool thing is, if you're of a scientific bent of mind, you can be a passenger on the Octantis and volunteer to help the scientists with their work. Now, I I doubt they're going to give you anything that high level, but I think it it should be quite, quite interesting. As for the boat itself, it's very handsome. I wasn't that struck by the decor, but I was struck by how comfortable it it looked. You know, on, on the old expedition cruises, you would get one place to eat. Uh, here, there are several dining room options. There are two bars, including a hidden speakeasy. There are lounges. There are several swimming pools. There's a full-scale gym. There's a full-scale uh, Scandinavian sauna. I mean, it's it's very plush. There's a hair salon, for heaven's sake. So that I guess when you're in the Arctic and your hairdo is all blown out by Arctic winds, you can get it done before dinner. Anyway. It was an interesting thing to see. It's expensive, less expensive than some of the competition, but still quite, quite expensive. But at least now, you know, as I said at the beginning, these cruises have always been expensive, but in the past, the expense was related just to getting there. It didn't mean you had high-end high end amenities. I mean, many of the staterooms had bunk beds in them. It was a very, very basic aboard expedition cruising. No more. Nowadays, you're going to have a lot of options for very high-end expedition cruising, going to remote places. And interestingly, the Octantis is also going to be going to the Great Lakes, which is an area of the world that never had really high-end cruise ships before. Uh, So, 
very interesting uh, uh, developments in the world of travel. So that's the first part of the show. And now I have a guest and he's one of my favorite guests. He is Mel Allen. He is the longtime editor of Yankee Magazine, and he is a delightful, delightful human being. Hey, Mel, welcome back to the Fromer Travel Show. Hey, Pauline, you know, I always look forward to speaking with you. Well, I always look forward to speaking with you. And I think we got to start today with the elephant that's both in the room and in my throat, um, <laughs> which is COVID. Uh, as I said at the start of the show, I've got it right now, although I'm feeling okay because I'm vaccinated, I'm boosted. You know, it's it's not, not as bad as the first time I got this. Uh, but what do you think? How much is that going to affect summer travel to New England and how is New England doing in terms of, I mean, COVID numbers are, are a moving target, but maybe in terms of vaccinations, so that you know you're going to a place where the vast majority of the people are, are going to be at least not getting terribly sick and the hospitals won't be overwhelmed. Okay, well, I'm, I'm very sorry to hear um, you have COVID. I know that um, yeah. it's your second time. And as you know, I I thought I was one of the lucky ones because I had not gotten it and just last week i did test positive and i'm on the i'm on the upswing um so it seems like it seems like many people who i know um they've made a certain sort of peace with this virus that it's not it's not going to it's, it's not going to change their lives to the extent that their lives are less than as opposed to maybe what it was um two years ago and if there's any if i would say if there's a a positive to this two years of living with this virus, it's that I don't think ever again will we take for granted, Pauline, that simple act of just leaving home. You know, that expectations that we've always had as travelers of just finding um, those unexpected moments. We, we all live for those moments of anticipation when we're about to see new places. And that stopped for many of us, if not yeah. most of us, yeah. uh, 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 two years ago. Um, to me, it's like when I think about travel, today, it's like this risk reward thing. Um, I mean, I did not personally travel from March 2020 until November 21. By then I'd had two vaccinations, you know, plus a booster. So I finally felt okay to fly to Colorado to see son Josh. And then in December, I flew to Hawaii to see son Dan. Did I feel totally immune? I did not, but it was the longest time between visits. So I missed them. And then last, just last, just in April to uh, less than two months ago, I flew to Oregon to meet them. So that I so I made my peace with okay, I am this risk is worth the reward of seeing my 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 sons, you know, and we travel because it's our nature to travel. We want to see yeah. with new eyes, right? We and even I'm sure that you've everybody listening to this knows this this how even the mundane task of buying food in a new place becomes new. You know, you it's a new Ooh, farm market. Fun. It's a new yeah. store. It's a new grocery store. Maybe they have things. If, if if you're going from the north to the south, they have things on the shelves that you're not used to. If you go to an ethnic market, you see things on the shelves you're not used to. So that is what I call the reward part. Now, in terms of the risk, New England has long had the longest, one of the highest vaccination rates um, in the country from the get-go. Um, yeah. We're over like 70%. But does that mean that um, nobody is going to get it? Of course. Um, the difference is, 
as you know, if when you're boosted, the chances are of being sick with a capital S are much less. So yeah. New, New England has a couple things really going for it um, in terms of this people coming here. One is, think, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I just think, I think that's an excellent way to put it because look, this thing may be here to stay, but the real, not the real danger with it, because God knows I know a lot of people who died from, from COVID itself, but a corollary danger was always the hospitals getting overwhelmed. Of course. And, and we're now seeing that in certain places in the U.S. they did and that people who needed treatment didn't go in because of that and other things killed them as a, as a corollary to COVID. So the fact that in New England people are being responsible at such good levels means that, heaven forbid, you're in a car accident or something else goes wrong, you'll be able to find a spot at the hospitals in New England. Yes, that, that is true. That, that, that's very true. I mean, I, I get all the newsletters from all the different uh, New England states. And yes, things are, are trending up, but they're trending up in a way that is, is very, very manageable. And one, two, two things that um, I think New England really has going for it. One is we are an outdoor destination for the most yeah. part. When people think of New England, you think of the mountains, you think of um, the lakes, and of course you think of the coast. All those, that's an outdoor experience. And secondly, something that is is not um, appreciated enough, I don't think, is how compact New England is. We are the most compact region in the United States. So if we think of yeah. travel as di diverse experiences, in, in, um, just think of this. Maine is nearly half as large as all the other five New England states combined, okay? But even yeah. including Maine, you can fit all of New England into Oklahoma, I mean, just a so, so if you're a traveler looking for this most expansive and diverse experience with the least travel space, New England is it, which also hits on something I know you you want to talk about is rising gas prices and so on. Yeah. And so on. Let me give you, just, can I give you just a few examples? Because I, I tell people this all the time and people are always surprised. But now let's say you're on the waterfront in Portland, one of the great waterfront small cities in America. The Cast Portland, Maine. Portland, Maine. <laughs> The Casco yes. Bay Ferry can take you to all these different islands for this perfect day outing. Well, from Portland, Maine's harbor to the Pinkham Notch Appalachian Trail Lodge in New Hampshire, where these trails lead to the summit of Mount Washington, which is one yeah. of the great outdoor experiences in the whole country. It's 80 miles. If you get 40 yeah. miles per gallon, Pauline, that's two gallons of gas for two right. really special distinct experiences and where would you and where would you go next so okay, that, so we, that, start, we start in portland and then suddenly we're at the summit of a mountain yeah. and then where well <laughs> if, you, if you want to you can just actually you stay i mean the whole white mountain national forest is right there but then you just go over you can just you just drive um you drive east a little bit and you're and you're back in maine and you and then you yeah. can go into the Maine highlands if you wish yeah here's another example you tour the Newport Mansions in Rhode Island. It's one of the most singular New England bucket list outings, right? For oh, many. Then, yeah. from from the from the mansion, you drive to Point to Point uh, to Point Judith. It's twenty miles away, and you know what's in Point Judith? The, I don't. The ferry to Block Island. It, it takes oh. thirty minutes to fifty-five minutes, depending on the kind of ferry that you take. And Block Island 
It's preserved by so much conservation land. You can walk for miles on this unbroken shore and you, and you don't see any high rises. There's cottages, wow. there are inns, there's B&Bs. And that's two very distinct, special experiences within 20 miles of each other. That, yeah. that's, that's what I mean about yeah that's, that's great now beyond the cost of gas we now know there just was a price waterhouse cooper uh study that was released yesterday showing that hotel rates are now higher than they were pre-pandemic um and i know heaven heaven knows uh, restaurant meals are are so much higher uh, pretty much everywhere. So are there parts of New England that are more affordable to visit? Yes, that's absolutely true. And, and before I, t- I tell you that, I want to give a shout out to all the restaurateurs who have made it through this pandemic and all these small innkeepers uh, who made it through the pandemic and so on that um, I, for one, do not begrudge paying more for people who actually bit the bullet for, for those two years to, to stay in business. So we actually have places to stay. So sure. that's, that's but my, we don't want them to be serving bullets. That's but... my, that's my preamble. That's, that's my preamble. <laughs> okay. So I want to tell you a little thing about affordable. Okay. I want to tell you a little anecdote um, from the fall of 1973 to the fall of 1974. I had exactly $5,000 in savings with my wife because we taught for three years, fourth grade. That's what we saved. We, wow. We could have bought a house in Maine. For about thirty, forty thousand dollars. Instead, we flew to Europe. I carried with me the Bible of travel for all yeah. of this twenty-somethings. It was called Europe on five dollars a day. Familiar with it? Perhaps. Yeah, I don't know. It would have been five in the seventies, though. It might have been ten. I, I, I kind of thought mine was okay. I thought mine was five, but but some very clever travel writer named Arthur Frommer figured out that for most of us, travel is the thing, and luxury wasn't for like those. Luxury is like a special thing for others, okay? I spent an entire year, October to October, England, Wales, Scotland, France, Spain. We rented small cottages, not one single expensive hotel. We came back having spent $5,000 for one entire year. Wow. Having said that, obviously I'm different now, so I couldn't do that the same exact way. But for people who want to come to New England and they want to be on a budget, there are some trade-offs. And one of those trade-offs is, is instead of staying maybe at that four-star hotel in Bar Harbor, maybe you go to Winter Harbor, which is also part of Acadia National Park. It's on the huh. Spirit Peninsula. There's one little um, um, a B&B in Winter Harbor. It's one of my favorite places in, in the whole country, actually. Um, it's a village of 500 people. There's a six-mile loop road. It's a ferry, 30-minute ride from Bar Har- uh, from Winter Harbor to Bar Harbor. We stayed at the Winter Harbor Inn. It's dog friendly. And um, the rates were about, I just looked at them um, yesterday, knowing that we we're going to be on today. It was about $160, yeah. which is probably going to be half a third to a, maybe even a third of some where you stay on Bar Harbor. Yeah, definitely. That's, yeah. that's sort of mindset, I think. And um, just in Maine, um, the bold, it's called the Bold Coast trail really which is we call it beyond bar harbor which i know that you you spoke um not too long ago with my friend the great editor of down east brian kevin and he mentioned this it takes you beyond bar harbor to all these little villages like lubeck and eastport and millbridge and Ben. and there's all where you're going to be staying in no hotels but little 
B&Bs, most of which might be owned by um, by the families of fishermen, for example. And there's going to be there's going to be lobster traps in the yard. You're going to have Cops Cook Bay, most likely either um, from your rooms or within a few miles, which is probably the most beautiful bay um, in New England. That uh, that kind of thing. Then so 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 we we have Winter Harbor rather than Bar Harbor in Maine. And I got to tell you, last summer I was editing Brian Kevin's book. Brian Kevin, yep. not only the editor of Down East Magazine, he's also the author of Fromer's. Uh, coast of Maine. He did an amazing job. But I was editing his book while researching my New York City book. And I think because so many people want to go to rural places right now rather than urban ones, uh, because, you know, you can socially distance more easily. Um, it, that, 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 uh, what's the word? Brain fog, uh, that notion might not be as as popular as it was in 2021, but I still think a lot of people discover nature. Anyway, in 2021, editing Brian's book on Maine while researching New York City, I found for the first time ever, hotel rates in New York City were lower yeah. on average than they were in Maine, uh, which was a shocker. Um, so are there any places beyond Winter Harbor, like this summer, because, uh, uh, business travel is gone. Do you think it might be the summer to go to Boston? Well, I think any time is good to go to Boston because it's the, one of the most walkable, um, cities in the world. Um, yeah. you know, all it takes, you know, especially today, um, a little bit of research, you know, yeah. I don't think anybody goes, um, I don't think anybody just gets in their car today and just helter skelter goes off and hopes to find something open. You know, the internet is this wonderful place for, um, for Googling. And I, when I Google, when I travel to other places, I don't, I, the word I use is value and, um, I do best value. And that's how I found in Honolulu. Oh, that's not, don't do that. <laughs> go to fromers.com. Oh, Fromers. Okay. Fromers.com. Um, that, that's yeah. what I was So I would go to uh, fromers.com and find out what Fromers, um, what Fromers yeah. suggests. So you, well, let me ask you before we, we say goodbye. I mean, one of the great things in New England in summer, I think, are the festivals that happen. Um, I'm assuming most of them will be back. Can you tell our yeah. listeners about some of the top festivals they may want to be going to yeah, this summer. I mean, they're all back um, this summer. And I'm going to just tell you a few, um, the ones that I've actually been to in person, so I can actually, I recommend them in person. So um, Mystic Seaport has this great festival called the Mystic Seaport Sea Music Festival, okay? And they also have an outdoor art festival with over 250 artists. It's always outdoors, you wow. know, and, and Mystic Seaport's worth a visit anyway, but now you have the festival component. Sail Fest in New London, Connecticut. This is uh, easy to get to from New York City. There's over 200 vendors on the streets. There's fireworks. That's where my son went to college, so I know that I know that area well. You see all the boats passing by in Maine. Wow. In Maine. But before, before we leave that, so it's a festival for sailboats. It's called I mean, Sail Fest. I mean, it's a festival for for people to come to New London and fill the streets with all these vendors. But you look out. You look out onto the, you know, onto the, the, to the sea and you see sailboats going by. Mystic Seaport has some ships that you can board and, and, and visit and things of that sort. In, in Maine, the Booth Bay Harbor Windjammer Days. What I love about this, it's before 
the crush of summer. It's in late, it's in late June. The Windjammer days are a parade of ships. They have lighted boat parades. And Booth Bay Harbor is closer to most people than Bar Harbor, and it's still one of these great destination spots. The Yarmouth Clam Festival is back. 100,000 people in Yarmouth, Maine, which is near Freeport and all those great outlet shops. That's in mid-July. And a place that people don't think about as a festival, but to me it's a summer-long festival, is Tanglewood. It's open from, uh, you know, in, in, in the Berkshires, June through yeah. August, the summer home of the Boston uh, Symphony. You're on this lawn scene, and I could keep going on with these festivals, but again, um, they're all, all the festivals are there, and I would like to put a plug in for, um, for NewEngland.com. That's, this is our region. This is what we cover, and if you just yeah. go NewEngland.com festivals, boom, there they are, and our new May-June travel issue is out right now. Pauline and from one Yankee of the, magazine. from Yankee, and one of the things that we actually one of the main stories is under the radar, um, under the radar coastal towns, and because we are thinking again of the traveler who may not want to be at the number at the top top of the pecking order of the of the where the tourism is because of the crowds. So you know, Winter Harbor is on there, Situates, Massachusetts, instead of the Cape, Jamestown, Rhode Island, which is right near Newport. Rye, New Hampshire, you know, instead of instead of uh, Portsmouth, that sort of thing. And uh-huh. you, but you have the same kind of experience and you can just drive 10 miles. Yeah, and with fewer crowds. Yeah, that sounds ideal. It's I mean, I'm going to be going out this summer. Um, last summer, we went to the Champlain Islands in Vermont. Have you ever been? Um, I, you know, I've spent a lot of time in Vermont. What are the names of the individual okay. islands? So you you go to Burlington and you just keep, and, Lake Champlain, right? And, and yeah, you, you go to Burlington, and you keep driving. So you have you got you have a North Hero, South South Hero, North Hero, Grand Isle, Isle Lamotte, all Burlington. I've been to Grand Isle. Oh, I've been to okay. Grand Isle. Well, yeah. last last uh, it went in June. We we had a cottage right on Lake Champlain in Isle Lamotte. I believe it was $150 a night. We had our, you know, our food. We had this big lawn. They took dogs. They had a, they had a, a, a little dock for, for swimming. We took these long bike rides and it was gorgeous. Yeah. And now Canada is open. Quebec is open. And it wasn't when we were there, but you can just make this drive and go right, yeah, into, and, right into Quebec. And we've been saying to people, it's a great time to go over to Canada because the dollar is still so strong against the Canadian loonies. So you have an inbuilt discount when you cross the border. Anyway. I I don't think people are going to stop traveling. And I think the Fromer's Guide should be with them. That's how I know. Well, thank you, Mel. And on that wonderfully positive note, I think we'll we'll say goodbye for today. Uh, But I thank you, Mel, for joining me. I thank you. Uh, Thanks to all the listeners who are with us here. Uh, Next week, we're going to be off. So no podcast next week, but do look for us the week after that. And to those who are traveling, may I wish you a hearty bon voyage. See you soon. Channel seem the
home. 